Today in Canadian History for June 28th, I'm Mark Affel. The first large number of immigrants originating from China arrived in Victoria on this day back in 1858. The first wave of immigration from China was sparked by interest in the Fraser Valley Gold Rush and, as I'm sure you are aware, in the more than 150 years since the first arrival of immigrants from China, Chinese Canadians and their descendants helped to quite literally build this nation as we know it. This, in despite of federal legislation that specifically discriminated against them. Here to share two instances of Chinese Canadians facing lesser known conflicts with municipal governments of Western Canada is Dr. Royden Lowen, a professor of history at the University of Winnipeg, as well as co-author of Immigrants in Prairie Cities, Ethnic Diversity in 20th Century Canada. We start with the story of Yi Klun. In 1912, the government of Saskatchewan enacted a law, often referred to as the White Woman's Labor Law, that prohibited Chinese business owners from hiring white women as employees. Although the original legislation referred directly to race, in 1919 the legislation removed all references to race, instead allowing municipalities to approve licenses on a case-by-case -case basis. This hurdle made it difficult for Chinese Canadian business owners who could not afford to hire white men and were not always able to fill their staff with Chinese Canadian women. In 1924, a restaurant owner by the name of Yi Klun challenged the law. He applied for a license allowing him to hire white women, and the city initially refused. This sparked outrage both from supporters and especially opponents of Klun. Dr. Lowen explains. Um, in 1920s, uh, the province of Saskatchewan had a law that forbade Chinese businessmen from hiring white women workers. Uh, and of course the Chinese uh, were um, uh, really uh, big time into um, restaurants and laundromats. And I believe this gentleman uh, was, a, was a restaurateur. His name was Yi Klun. 1924, um, the, um, uh, Regina, uh, in, in the city of Regina, he, um, he's charged with hiring uh, a white woman. And he, uh, he fights this charge. Uh, and you know, crying injustice and so on. What's interesting is how the um, the Regina city folk lined up uh, against Mr. Klun, um, and in fact, women's groups, uh, the Regina Women's uh, Labor League, um, decrying uh, Mr. Klun, saying that if uh, he got away with hiring uh, these white women, Regina would become would become the queer city of uh, of, uh, of Western Canada. Queer referring meaning something different in the 1920s than it does nowadays. Uh, but uh, but a variety of other sort of British Canadian uh, organizations uh, uh, lining up with the province again against Mr. Mr. Klun, um, and and some of them in fact saying that if this uh, uh, if he get away with this, uh, you know, you'd get the white trash women of white trash begin to f flock into Regina, women of you know of, of horrible reputation and so on, and Regina would become this uh, this uh, this horrific place. Eventually, Klun took his fight to court, where it was decided that despite what the public demanded, he would be granted his license to hire white women. However, following this, municipalities in Saskatchewan enacted new legislation, which allowed them to ignore the court ruling. In fact, this provincial legislation was not taken off the books until 1969, when it was perceived to be unfair for women. Fast forward to 1982 Calgary and the story of Ruby's Restaurant. Dr. Lowen explains. 
Now, I sometimes take that incident and I compare that uh, to a um, another restaurant story, 1982 in Calgary, where uh, two restaurateurs, uh, immigrants from Hong Kong, Amy Wong and Domino Lau, open up a restaurant called Ruby's Restaurant, and they do it in Chinatown. Now, this is a transplanted restaurant. In fact, they have taken the sign that they had up in Hong Kong and actually transported the sign to uh, to Calgary, and they put up the sign. Well, they run into the law as well, but it's a law of a very different time. Now it's the law that um, is passed by the city of Calgary that stipulates that within the um, geographic uh, the parameter of Chinatown, you must have Chinese letters uh, for your for your signage. And there is a Mrs. Wilson, in fact, a good British-Canadian-sounding name, uh, a Mrs. Uh, Eileen Wilson, who is the senior city um, uh, sign uh, bylaw enforcer. And she takes Wong and Lao to court, um, charging them with having violated this law and charging them, I think, $50 a day so long as Ruby's restaurant appears there without Chinese letters. Uh, Wong and Lao argue that, um, according to Chinese custom, it's really bad luck that if you trans uh, plant a business or start a start a you know move your business from one place to the other and you actually change the sign even the physical letters of the sign so they say we've actually transported the very letters Ruby's restaurant from Hong Kong to Calgary and we put them up and it's bad it's bad it's bad Chinese luck if we if we change it so now these are two very different instances one which happened in the 1920s clearly discriminates against people based on their race the other which occurred in the 1980s helps to preserve Chinese culture, and in this case, language. Dr. Royden Lowen explains the change that happened within these 50 years. So if you compare those two incidents, you suddenly have now a society at the end of the 20th century where multiculturalism or ethnicity or even immig welcoming immigrants has become part of the new cool. This is what makes us Canadian, right? We are we are a uh, you know we are the, a beacon of light to the to the world's uh, masses come here and and uh, and prosper alongside us, and and again, there's 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 definitely there's racism uh, in in our society, but it's often more uh, subtle. Um, it's often more isolated. It's definitely not general. It's definitely not encased in law. In in in. Um, uh, as, as it was in the early 20th century. And, um, and I often think about that this is one of the great sort of transformations of the 20th century that we have just, we've, we just haven't really quite appreciated. Today is a day full of Canadian history. Terry Fox passed away at the age of 22 on this day back in 1981. Due to his failing health, Fox was forced to stop his Marathon of Hope the previous September after running for 143 days and covering 5,373 kilometers. The Treaty of Versailles, the peace treaty ending the conflict between Germany and the Allied powers, was signed on this day back in 1919, officially bringing the First World War to an end. And as always, we aired this episode of Today in Canadian History. Today in Canadian History is produced by CGSW 90.9 FM. The executive producers are Joe Burma and Mark Affeld. Original music is produced by the Fisk, Fletcher and May Trio. Our series is not meant to be a definitive source on our past. Instead, we hope that it sparks a desire to learn more about our unique history. 
For more information on the series or to recommend an event or moment, check out our website at cjsw.com slash today in Canadian history. All right, time for a quiz. Quite coincidentally, not only was the Treaty of Versailles signed on June 28th, but five years earlier on June 28th, 1919, Archduke Franz Ferdinand of Austria was assassinated, essentially sparking the First World War. So, for all you history buffs out there, what city was he assassinated in? Was it Vienna, Sarajevo, Budapest, or Schwinnigen? Franz Ferdinand was assassinated in Sarajevo, which at the time was a part of the Ottoman Empire. <laughs>